0: Inclusion, social justice, and compassionate leadership that's everlasting in the workplace. And now, here's Dennis Duran.
1: There are so many things I want you to know about today's guest, Brent Wilcox. Brent is a director at OAC Services in Washington State. OAC Services is a design and construction management firm helping clients manage projects from concept through completion and warranty. Brent works in the healthcare and life sciences sector at OAC and also manages their Olympia office. Brent is passionate about his work and helping bring a client's vision to life, in line with OAC's vision. Brent is a problem solver and a strategic planner. He serves his clients by asking questions and actively listening to understand their needs and goals, always leading his teams by example to deliver a successful project. Prior to joining OAC, Brent worked as a general contractor for nine years and worked on projects in nine different states, all kinds of projects in short. My connection with Brent began just three or so years ago when we met at an event hosted by my mentor, Steve Farber. He followed his CEO on the journey of extreme leadership as put forth in Steve's body of work expressed in the acronym LEAP. OAC embraced the four pillars of love, energy, audacity, and proof and used it as the foundation of their culture. Brent and several other OAC leaders became certified facilitators of the Extreme Leadership Institute and played major roles in implementing LEAP at OAC. Brent's favorite part about working in the construction industry is the people. He loves meeting people, building relationships, and discovering the connections we all have. Brent is known for his positive energy, enthusiasm, and ability to make people laugh and smile. If you know him, you won't be surprised to get a big hug from Brent every time you see him. Brent does what he loves in the service of people who love what he does. Most importantly, Brent is a husband and a father of three, ages 11, 9, and 6. There is pride and joy, and he can't help but show pictures of them to everyone he meets. Brent, welcome to the Softest Steel podcast. We have about five minutes left after the introduction, so let's get right to <laughs> it. <laughs>
2: Thanks for having me, Dennis. I'm really happy to be here.
1: I'm, I'm delighted you're here, and I'm sure that uh, when Sean has a chance to listen to our conversation, it will make him smile, and he'll, and I'm sure he'll learn some things as he listens to us. Certainly as he listens to you. For me, I'm not so sure, but from you, for sure. You notice I, I left out that Brent is also a, a fan of the body of work of an author named Dennis Duran, who wrote a book called Soft as Steel. But I, right. I thought that that would that' be shameless self promotion if I did that
2: <laughs> I am indeed my autographed uh, copy sits here on my desk always
1: exactly good that's a good place for it That's a good place for it so let's let's get right into it you're You're a young leader you've got uh, what in total maybe a dozen a dozen or so years in the industry in, uh, in your working career
2: yeah, I graduated in two thousand and nine all right
1: so so you're you're one of those leaders that that we are looking at. Right now in our industry to help us reshape the future, and that's my that's my vantage point. That's what I that's what I see. My my generation is dwindling uh, steadily. Uh, as you know, I'm I'm getting getting up there in years. I I forget how old I am, but the, but I'll also forget this interview after we do it. That's why we record it. But we're looking. You know, in a serious way, we're looking at at, at your generation of leaders to embrace the kind of thinking. And the kind of acceptance around the importance of people and relationships in building successful businesses. You know, I know I'm looking to young leaders. Does it feel that way to you? Uh, do Do you feel like there's an additional parallel responsibility or additional scope of things that you need to to be actively thinking and feeling about as you go about building your career?
2: Yeah, I I do. Uh, you know what I first graduated and entered the construction industry, uh, it seemed like it was that long career path where you're always going to be reporting to somebody far, uh, not only older than you, but more experienced. And as I've uh, dove into my career headfirst and really uh, made it a part of my daily life, I've noticed that there's, uh, there's a lot more opportunity than I thought at a young age. And there's a lot of opportunities being given by companies like OAC, who I work for, that are looking for passionate people who have good values and ideals, and um, maybe challenge the status quo of the construction industry. That hard-nosed, grinded-out—it um, there's a change that's been happening for quite some time, and and I'm fortunate to be in that time when that's happening and get to watch it and be a part of it, because uh, quite frankly, it, it's a much more fun industry than I expected, mm-hmm. and there's a lot more. Uh, engagement and collaboration and a lot less of just that finger pointing hard-nosed old school super, superintendent mentality than I thought there would be. And I really, I love it. I I love every part of it and the the chances to to make effective changes. And that's honestly why I changed from the general contractor role to the owner's representative and professional consulting side is I feel like I have more opportunity to s- see those changes and be a part of them myself.
1: hmm so you so you, so you see the changes uh, in terms of uh, let's let's use the, the phrase uh, giving credit where credit is due in in your journey and uh, and what you do day to day and where you work who you work with et cetera, would you say that the changes are coming about because of uh, taking on a larger responsibility on your part as the service provider to do things differently as you begin and carry out the relationships with your clients
2: Yes and no. I think uh, I think that's part of it. I think it was also just not a very sustainable and inviting atmosphere to be in at times. Our our industry, mm-hmm. and I think that as people started to see that that wasn't a requirement, just because we always did things one way doesn't mean it's the right way. People have started to open their eyes and see, hey, it, there's a, a more productive, efficient, and cost-efficient way to do things. Why not? And mm-hmm. it's you know, as you know, and you've talked about in several episodes, the construction industry is very slow to change. Um, what what it took us to build a ground up project forty years ago, it, it's not a whole lot faster than it, it was then. Now, mm-hmm. however, um, I would say in the last ten, fifteen, twenty years, that culture that we're seeing in the workplace is changing a lot, and I think I think it's related to a lot of things, including different contract methods and delivery models uh, being a big part of it instead of that design, bid, build, fight for change orders later, be the lowest bidder. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot more opportunity out there for different approaches to projects and bringing people on based on their qualifications, based on their cost. And that to me is one of the big difference makers in our industry. And, and again, that goes back to those soft skills, because without those, you don't meet the qualifications, quite frankly. hmm mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, that's a really good point. Let's 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 talk about for a, a, a pretty good chunk of, of our time. I want to talk about two things that, that uh, I can't talk about with uh, many other guests. One is OAC, uh, and the other is extreme leadership. You and I, you know, both have a deep understanding of it. Uh, we both believe it makes makes sense. We're not uh, we're not followers. We're not. This is not a cult. Um, but it's you know it's a framework of a very sensible set of ideas that are highly implementable uh, if if people are willing to do it. So that's one thing I want to talk more about about again Steve's body of work. I'll let him know that we're talking about him after the this interview but because uh, that may, may may cause him to tune in and listen to it. I don't think he ever <laughs> I don't think he's listened to the one he and I did because you know it's <laughs> but uh um and the other thing I want to talk about a, a a bit is you know is your firm. Uh and again uh you know I've, I've gotten to know Sean a bit uh you know m- having met him I don't know what ten years ago, uh, for the first time when when uh, when I was at another or- in an organization where I I brought Steve Farber into uh, to keynote a, 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 an important conference, and that's where he got first exposed to extreme leadership. Um, yeah. So uh, share because it'll be interesting, and this we're going to kind of highlight that this will be part of this conversation. Um, what you can and and are interested share with our listeners. I'll call it, I'll call it the story of taking a, a set of sensible pr- uh, leadership principles and and actively and enthusiastically uh implement them into the culture of a company and seeing and sustaining good results as uh, uh, for having done it so share with us a bit of that story
2: sure uh the the short version I mean I'll I'll say what I can I've mm-hmm. become pretty uh pretty passionate about it. And so I know probably more than than some at the firm, but I, I actually wasn't there when that first steps of the journey were taken. Mm-hmm. When Sean met Steve and shares that the, he was the keynote speaker and afterwards he he reached out to him and said, I felt like I was the only one in the room and you were talking to me in a, in a yeah. group of thousands. Yeah. Um, that's really what started OAC services journey with the Extreme Leadership Institute and LEAP. Um. So that was back. I want to say roughly 2014 or 15 timeframe.
1: Yeah.
2: And and uh, when Sean heard that message, which I can totally relate to, when I attended the Extreme Leadership Experience uh, annual conference in 2019, I, I felt the same way as Sean did. Without even talking to Sean, I mm-hmm. had a very similar experience. So so Sean had that experience. Ended up connecting with with uh steve and then inviting him up to seattle where we started a a whole process of implementing leap adopting them as our core values hiring uh one of steve's business partners jenna lynch as a as a consultant to help us in our culture journey and in our leap journey so for the next several years the foundation was being laid and then fast forward to 2018 i joined oac and we were really right at the height of that journey and by dumb luck got selected to go to that conference in 2019 i got a an email on a sunday afternoon from uh from our hr department saying here's your tickets to this and i'm like is this spam is this a phishing scam you know <laughs> and uh reached out to my manager and sure enough it was it was real and attending that really boosted my awareness of the importance of culture in the workplace and taking care of your people and love and business. And it, mm-hmm. it honestly, it gave me words for something I inherently believed, but didn't know how to talk about before that. That's the mm-hmm. best way I can say it. I really believed it at my core and it was part of my value system, but I didn't know it was something anybody else was talking about. And so it it's given me words and it's given me um, a path to, to have those conversations and really make really incredibly meaningful life connections with people like you and Steve Farber and many, many others. Mm-hmm. So OAC, um, going back to your question, sorry, there's that long-winded no, answer this again. This is
1: good. This is good. Very good.
2: Took, took you know, a deliberate three years of really intentionally adopting LEAP, forming committees around that, uh, having activities, hosting as part of our all-hands meetings every year, sessions dedicated to that and doing disc or personalis- uh, DISC personality assessments, Mm -hmm. um, we, we really dove in and it was, it was not a halfway effort. It had to be all the way. And we even had some people on the, at the top level of the firm that were maybe not as gung ho about love and business, which is to be expected. Mm -hmm. And, uh, some of those are the ones that actually were in charge of the committee that determined what our new values were. Mm -hmm. So it, it took, that deliberate intentional effort and really a lot of pushing from Sean at the beginning and getting people certified to, uh, to get us where we are today. And, you know, we continue to evolve. We're not, we're not done on that journey. It's not like we got it. We hit the Seattle's best workplace, uh, awards a few years in a row and all is good. It's, we're constantly adapting. Uh, we just recently actually went through a a values change that it still incorporates leap as part of that, but it's a little bit different and it's an, it's our own OAC mm-hmm. values with leap. Mm-hmm. um, And it's something that if you sit on and don't put effort into, it's really easy to slip backwards too.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's uh, to, to your, to your firm's credit with, with Sean's leadership, without, without any question, you've uh, you haven't, you know, you haven't lost your energy no pun or duplication of term intended. You haven't lost your energy around the the good sense of of those of those uh, pillars uh, in 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 how a company can operate their business uh, be be technically incredibly capable, be a high quality provider of service, uh, produce incredible projects, take care of the things like on time, on budget, and safely, uh, you know, and and do that almost effortlessly. Um, but at the same time. Repeatedly bringing back into discussion uh, branding signage et cetera et cetera uh, those f- four words with perhaps you know the the lead word L the love word being something which is peppered around your firm on a regular basis is it not
2: It absolutely is I I have a joke that it's it's funny but it delivers this point really well uh so i'm I'm in our healthcare and life sciences group. We're organized by markets. We have four different markets, and in the healthcare life science, we have one uh senior vice president that oversees everyone and in, in that team and then we have two vice presidents that oversee both sectors, healthcare and life science. So my boss's boss, his name's Derek he's the one that oversees both groups um, I joke that he's told me he loves me more than just about anybody except my wife kids, and maybe a couple of my siblings in the last uh, five years since I started at OAC. <laughs> we we could be having an average Joe conversation, uh, talking about some work stuff, and then we'll have some personal conversation at the end. He's like, love you, Brent. And uh, yeah. it's so refreshing that we can have th- conversations like that and have a true connection where we absolutely do love each other as friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's like a brother to me. Uh, and a mentor and it's not weird. It's not awkward. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I I have another friend in the industry. That's a mechanical contractor tells me he loves me just about every time we talk Mm -hmm. and, uh, it doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be awkward or, or (laughs) anything like that. Right. It's actually, uh, inspiring to me and it helps me want to share that same level of trust and, and and energy and love with other people around me because it's, it's just a fun way to, to live.
1: Yeah. Oh boy. I, I so agree. As you know, I mean, you're, you're peach, you're preaching to the, the guys in the choir. It's got a really bad voice, but it's still in the choir. Yeah. I, you know, I think, and as you talk about the industry and how it's changing uh, from from the vantage point of your generation, which is our, most critical generation in leadership right now in the industry i mean i i I don't think there's any question about it um you know the the, the there there isn't there there isn't a, there isn't any other reason other than it that was obvious to me that this notion of softness uh you know needed to be talked about in our industry uh and your generation is the one can, that can do it comfortably can do it in in a fashion that is that it doesn't seem strange. And and that's really the behavior that needs to be engendered in the people that you lead, uh, and and you are a leader. You run an office. You're a director in in one a portion of your practice. So you're in a visible, everyday leadership role as well as managing operational things. Um, and as you know, you've heard me say it numerous times. It's in my book. Uh, you know, everybody's watching you all the time, uh, and they're they're watching what you do and they're watching what you say. Uh, and they're always making that calculation in their mind. And, and, and increasingly, if you're doing it the way I believe you are, in fact, I know you are, um, and, and Sean is as well, uh, you're doing it in a way that is authentic, uh, that demonstrates integrity. Again, two important, you know, personal qualities or soft skills, if you will. And, and that's what's necessary so that you can marginalize the, the, uh, the pushback. From the older generations which are still important positions still being looked to in a more positive a friendly and inviting way to try to uh, be part of the knowledge transfer uh process as they move to to the exit uh, and other people come in and fill behind them as well as you know getting more in line with this idea uh that you're comfortable with and this whole notion of you know again that term extreme leadership which we both have learned and know it's not really extreme it's just real it's just real. <laughs> it's genuine. It's not. It's not just. You know. That's that's my job. It because it's not about yeah. the job. And you've you and I both heard. You know, Steve Farber many many times. You know, talk about it's not. You know. You know, leadership is not a not a role. Uh, it's not a position. It's not a level of authority. It's you know there are leaders in, in all parts of your organization. And OEC is probably a great example of a place where that's really really true. And and that and the idea of feeling things as you relate to people inside and outside your company is palpable. It's part of the, it's part of the atmosphere.
2: Yeah. It definitely is. And it's interesting. You brought up a couple of those traits or those um, soft skills of honesty and authenticity, integrity. I was, as I prepared for this conversation, I was going back through some of the assessments in your book and uh, you literally listed three of my top five, Mm -hmm. When I did your, your assessments and you do the four different pillars and, and write down your top, uh, top ones. And I was thinking about this in relation to this change in the industry we're talking about. A lot of it to me is related to the, in in the past, it was, it really boiled down to how long have you been doing it? And so you can say that in a room, well, I've been doing this 25 years, so you're not going to tell me. And now it's shifting to we need those soft skills, and we're entrusting young leaders that develop the, that show those attributes. We're trusting them to lead with those attributes and glean from the experience of the people that have been doing this. And so mm-hmm. it's it's marrying those two. I don't have the same experiences. Even one of the the gentlemen at OEC that reports to me, far my superior as far as years in the industry, total number of years of experience. Um, but he trusts me and allows me to, to lead and to help him just like I know I'm going to learn things from him. And so it's combining those, the experience with the soft skills. That's how you get really quality leaders that are going to take this industry into the next chapter. And I love seeing that we're no longer just about how long you've been doing it. So you can throw that number around in a room. It, there's a lot more to it than that, and the successful firms are the ones that are recognizing that and making a change.
1: Mm-hmm. Are you seeing uh, again just around the same this this the same uh, kind of central aspect of our conversation? Are you are you seeing uh, any changes in how uh, owners structure their evaluation criteria uh, when when considering? Contractors either to be put on bid lists or in the, on, on bidding on jobs and and going through the process of due diligence and negotiation, conditional award, et cetera, et cetera. Are you seeing? Are, are, are they? Are they? Are they asking to be for you to be different?
2: One hundred percent. A client comes to mind that two years ago, just over two years ago, we got connected through a, a referral with another. Client that is my my primary client, mm-hmm. and they we have culture conversations all the time. I've shared a couple of Steve's books with the CEO of this this hospital, and um, he referred us pretty enthusiastically to one of his fellow CEOs of another uh, regional public hospital, and we had this initial conversation, and you could tell from the get go they were starving for something different. All they had done is low bid design, bid, build, architect designs it, puts it out for bid. Whoever's the low bidder gets it and you move forward. They were starving for something different from a handful of just really tough experiences. And they're they're asking for a change. They're asking for something different. They're asking for a more positive, collaborative environment. And that comes with qualifications. So it's the right teams in, on the bid list. That includes things like, especially in Washington state and across the country, uh, things like diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging are huge right now. So what are you doing as a firm to make those opportunities available to other than just your normal subs or your normal architects and consultants? Mm -hmm. What are you doing to form relationships with them, change your contracting procedures so that the insurance limits allow for some of these smaller firms to have a chance? There's so many things... uh, seminars, you know, OAC has put on a a DEI and B seminar where we had, I think, 200 plus people in our auditorium, combination of owners, architects, trade partners, general contractors, Mm -hmm. all coming together to have meaningful conversations about how are those changes coming into effect? What are people doing that's successful and what's not working? Mm -hmm. Um, So Yes. To answer your question, we're seeing very different set of criteria and the scoring is, is changes from client to client, but generally speaking, I would say the scores for those soft skills, components, diversity, equity, inclusion components are going up and the other things are going down that we would traditionally see like cost and fee, mm-hmm. um, your specific team. There's, there's a lot more equitable scoring happening yeah. because they want and need those things to be successful.
1: Yeah. So would you say that, is, is it, uh, I mean, that's good. It's certainly good to hear. Would you say that if they're, if they're kind of shifting, um, the weighting uh, or the, the emphasis and criteria uh, to look for their vendors and suppliers to do meaningful things in the areas of inclusion, social justice, uh, equity, diversity, et cetera, et cetera, all those things that have to do with, with people. And uh, have, uh, have little to do with the core technical aspects of the work that those people perform. But I would guess that those owners are not simply saying that this is, this is increasingly more important to us. Uh, this is m- more important to us than a final negotiated price. Uh, you know, if we have to pay a little bit more to get, get, to get good attention, that's what we're going to do. I, I'd be, I would have to guess that they're not, they're not putting it out in that way. They still want your best offer
2: absolutely that's that's never well, my guess that is never going to go away completely. Mm-hmm. still need to be uh, fairly aggressive with you know your fee structure and your overhead and and uh, your rates for your people. However, there's a lot of emphasis on the right team for the right job at the right time. And when you marry those things together, you get really amazing projects that are not just tough to get through and you tough it out and you get to the next next move on to the next job. They're jobs that you look back on and can't help but smile and think about the difference you made. And, and, uh, I had that experience with, with one of those clients, my first job at OAC, the owner did a fantastic job of setting up the team for success instead of beating down their general conditions. For example, let's have a conversation about doing it right. So when we get to the job and establish a guaranteed maximum price a GMP, we're not going back and fighting about those things over and over on every change. And the end result was the team was just so, so gelled Mm -hmm. from the get go. Mm -hmm. And uh, instead of emails and finger pointing, it was phone calls to work things out and confirming RFIs that were really simple to answer and didn't spend a lot of time and money. Um, And I look back and I I talk about that project all the time. One of my Mm -hmm. absolute highlights of my career never worked with a team that's worked that well together. And uh, the owner was just ecstatic. And the, mm-hmm. the staff in the hospital, you know, they had 400 people. This was two weeks before uh, we heard the country went on lockdown. Two weeks before that, we had 400 people in, at the grand opening. And wow. it, was, uh, it was one of the most amazing sights I've seen for a project.
1: Wow. Wow. So this whole notion of, of uh, recognizing the importance of, of people – the people that that you lead and you manage, the clients that you that you're responsible for, um, it makes sense.
2: <laughs> it really it, you know, does.
1: I mean, I, I mean, my my book is not that thick, um, you know. But the but the basics, it it, it just it, well, you know, one of the phrases in section three of my book is common sense is not just not that common. Um, but 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 there is and this is me taking a you know taking a harsh view of my generation as a baby boomer um, you know you know we have we have resisted the notion of of change with regards to things that have nothing to do with people per se you know change in in in, in construction methods and materials and equipment all all those kinds of things you know we've resisted, resisted that for our, our entire careers but and and then and the result of that is that things change, but they change as you know very slowly. Uh, you know, again, if 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 I could plant my feet on the ground and not have to move them, then the chances of me falling over are, are pretty good. You know, I mean, because somebody's going to push me, and that's going to be the end of the day. Um, so, I mean, you know, I I look at your generation again as 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 really the critical generation. To take the, to take our industry into being an industry that is responsible, uh, is ethical, uh, is conscious of what's ex- expected with regards to performance, uh, but but with all those ingredients, recognizing recognizing that all those things can work in a in a good way uh, if it's built uh, on a foundation of relationships, uh, built one at a time, you know, yep. one one brick. One block put in place with I, I now I now I now know this person for six months. We know enough about each other that we know if we say things to each other, we're going to follow through. And that's and that's you know because and again you can't build relationships in mass. You know again when when they hire OAC services, uh, they hire OAC services team, which are specific individuals that happen to be employed by OAC. They don't just hire OAC. Yeah, and you don't build a relationship as an individual from an owner organization or a subcontractor. Uh, you don't build a relationship with the company. You build a relationship with people. Does that make sense? Uh,
2: yeah, I mean those those relationships to me are what creates the that project culture. You know, we talk about culture in our workplace and in our specific companies, but I talk a lot with my clients about project culture. What is the mm. culture they want to create? And then when we set those expectations, we find a team that aligns with those. It's a, it's a magical combination. Um, mm-hmm. when, when you hire for very specific things, you will find people that fit that mold. So if you're looking to build a culture that is positive and not a culture of finger pointing and backstabbing, but of solution-based It's like, you know, our, our mutual friend, Steve Farber, he shows that story of a telecom industry employee who, who was a manager. And he says, you're, I heard your speech. You were spot on about building those relationships, because when you have that trust of the client, you could, uh, you could burn down their building and they'll say accidents happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a very shortened kind of butchered version of it. But the, the gist of it is. If you don't have that relationship, your first instinct, a lot of times, especially in construction is to point that finger, find fault. Who's who did it? It wasn't me. But when you have that relationship built, all of a sudden it's okay, this happened. How are we going to get through it? Mm -hmm. If we need to figure out who was at fault and there's contractual things, we can figure that out later. Most of the time, it's the most important and the most beneficial to the client to have a team that's ready to jump in, roll up their sleeves and look for solutions yeah. And, uh, and, and again, it just creates that when, when you set that culture as an owner and in my role as a consultant, the owner's representative, you're setting people up to succeed and not to fail and, and constantly feel like they've got to defend themselves.
1: Yeah. Um, co- coincidentally, we are, uh, sadly, we're at the end of, uh, of the time for our conversation. Uh, you know, again, I've said this uh, numerous times through this 30, almost 33 minutes that we've been together. Um, about how important you and your generation are to our industry, I think uh, the way you have talked about everything that we've t- touched on, uh, you know, demonstrates to me that uh, that OAC specifically, uh, as being as you being one of their leaders, uh, OAC is, is well represented by you as a leader, and uh, and, I, and I know this, I know that Sean feels that way because uh, he's he's said it. Uh, and I'm sure he's not the kind of guy that says really great things about people unless they are really great people um and the good news is that it seems like o a c does does a heck of a job of finding and keeping really good people
2: i I definitely believe that and uh again i'll I'll say it I'm super appreciative of the opportunities that i've had and i it was a life changing experience in every sense of the word to attend that first extreme leadership experience and meet people that I, I I felt like an imposter at first. I was way out of my league talking to people that were just incredible. I mean, when we first met Dennis, I walked away like, who am I to be talking to this guy? <laughs> you know, like I'm nobody. And uh, <laughs> I had that experience over and over that week. And I'll tell you, I, I, I've found that people are generally good and willing to be vulnerable and let you in and share their experiences and their insights. And it's so valuable. And I'm thankful that OAC has given me a chance to, to embark on that journey and supported me the last five years as I've continued Mm -hmm. on that journey. And, you know, the friendship that we've built just means the world to me.
1: Yeah. Thank I I feel the same way. So, uh, you know, my, my last words to you would be for you just to continue to do what you love in the service of people who love what you do. I say that I say that every day, uh, and and often out loud, and sometimes when there's nobody around. But it's just it's the simplicity, uh, and we both get it. We we both get it, and and more and more people are getting it. And and that's why I continue to carry the message. That's why I wanted to put a spotlight, if you will, through your your eyes and your words on your company and its relationship to Steve's body of work. Uh, because I think uh, I think your, your, your company and you specifically, along with Sean and others that I've met from OEC, are great examples of the kind of people that need to be the future of our industry.
2: Yeah, there, there's a reason it's still our vision statement, that saying, do what you love in the service of people who love what you do. And I put that in my bio if I'm ever speaking at something. I put it mm-hmm. in. I, I talk about it all the time. I don't know if I say it daily, but probably at least every week yeah. uh, I share that with somebody and it's it's uh, it's a very fulfilling way to have a career when you get to say things like that
1: yeah i agree Brandon has been has been special and uh thoroughly enjoyable to spend this time with you. Thanks for joining me on the soft spiel podcast
2: thanks for having me i I agree with your earlier statement. We could have gone on for hours here,
1: yeah. Yeah, we'll have other opportunities to talk.
2: I look forward to it.
1: Good. Take care, my friend. Thank you.
0: Thanks for joining us today for this episode of the Softest Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran. Dennis is the author of Softest Steel and a leading speaker and trainer for organizations across many industries and verticals. To learn more about the work Dennis is doing to activate soft skills in the workplace, contact him at com. Be sure to check out his book, Softest Steel on Amazon or wherever books are sold. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you'd like to get your podcasts. And please remember to share this episode with your friends, colleagues, and anyone you feel would benefit from the conversation. We'll see you next time on the Softest Steel Podcast with Dennis Duran.